You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Revelation 14 in your Bibles, please. And let's get into our Bible study. We started uh, last week in uh, this chapter, and I uh, I think we'll finish tonight, uh, Revelation 14. We saw last week that there was a sight. There was something that John saw in heaven. And I want to remind you tonight, uh, don't get your eyes too focused down here on what's going on down here on earth. Keep your eyes on that which is eternal. Keep your eyes on that which matters. And uh, John saw something in heaven. But then we saw there was a Savior. Verse number one, I looked and lo, a lamb. Aren't you glad that you can turn your eyes upon Jesus? And let's keep our eyes on Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Uh, Verse number one, and he stood. The Lamb stood on the Mount Zion. This is not a lamb that is being crucified. This is now a lamb that is ruling and reigning and conquering. And this is the vision. This is the sight that John saw in verse number one. And with him, and 144,000 having his father's name written in their foreheads. We saw uh, number uh, one, there was a sight. Number two, there was a savior. Now it's interesting that there are now with the lamb... There are 144,000 that are standing with the Lamb. I got a question for you. This is not a trick question. How many witnesses started out in that tribulation period? There were the two. And then of the the rest, the, the, the witnesses from every tribe, how many started out? That's exactly right. 144,000. Guess how many Jesus protected? Guess how many he took care of? Guess how many he sealed? All of them. Aren't you glad that when Jesus has got you in his hand, when Jesus is responsible for taking care of you, you are taken care of. You are secure. And if Jesus can take care of 144,000 witnesses facing the wrath of the dragon and facing the wrath and the persecution of the beast during the tribulation, I got news for you. He can take care of you and he can take care of me right where we are today. Now, I'm glad that I'm not responsible for keeping track of everybody. As a matter of fact, we have things in business, we have things called quality control, right? Because we know we're going to lose some. Uh, maybe if you're here and you have ever lost a customer, don't raise your hand. <laughs> you ever lost a customer? Sure, that happens. Have you ever lost a job? <laughs> that can happen. Have you ever lost money? Have you ever lost something valuable that's been in your care and your possession? Sure. We all lose things. We all have things that were in our care that are lost. But aren't you glad Jesus has never lost a single one? My sheep, John 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. They follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I'm glad that once you get saved, aren't you glad you're always saved? 
Aren't you glad that Jesus is not up in heaven saying now, oh man, that one was saved and I'm about ready to lose them. Oh no, once you're saved, you're always saved and you are saved and you are sealed and you are secure in the hand of Almighty God. But we see number one, a sight. Number two, a savior. Number three, we see a sound. It says in verse number two, and I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and as the voice of a great thunder. I was thinking about that on Sunday afternoon. How many of you heard some of that thunder on Sunday afternoon? It was powerful. Uh, we were, my wife and I were just talking. Um, we talk once in a while, but we were just talking again today. And we were talking about uh, that there was a tornado that went through Virginia Beach. And I'm telling you, those storms coming through were so powerful. And the thunder was just, it was shaking. And can I tell you, that every time you hear a thunderstorm, Every time that wind starts blowing, every time you see a report of some natural disaster, that ought to be a reminder of the power of God. God has all of that, and God is in control of all of that, but there is a, a sound from heaven. It says in verse number three, and they sung as it were a new song before the throne, before the four beasts and the elders, and no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. Let me say this, I, I, I talked about this last week, but let me uh, take it a step further. Did you know every child of God has a song that unsaved people cannot sing? Now, I'm not saying they can't try, but lost people cannot sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, like a child of God can sing. Let me take it another step further. It should be that if we're saved, it should be that there is a song in our heart. It should be that we can keep it inside. You say, well, pastor, you don't understand. I can't sing. I'm not a good singer. Well, I'll, I'll check the doors afterwards, but I've never seen any signs that say only good singers are allowed to sing in church. You know who ought to sing? Save people. Save people ought to have a song in their heart. They ought to have a desire to sing and to praise God, but there is a sound in heaven. It's interesting. While on earth there is suffering, in heaven there is singing. While there is pain on earth during the tribulation period in heaven, there is praise on earth, there's tribulation in heaven, there's triumph. On the earth, there's rebellion. In heaven, there's rejoicing. And on the earth, there is sorrow, but in heaven, there is shouting. And by the way, those things that I just told you, the praising and the singing and the shouting and the rejoicing and the triumph and praise, those ought to be going on in your life while you're on this earth because we know the Lord. During the tribulation period and all the, the Christians that have been raptured out of here, there's going to be some destruction. There's going to be some misery. But for the child of God, we know that we've been saved from the wrath to come. We'll be delivered. We're going to be raptured out of here. And praise God for the joy that we can have and should have even while we go through this life. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. I see number three, a sound. Number four, a song. Number five, I see that these men were separated. These witnesses, the Bible says that they were virgin men. They were pure. They were committed to Christ. They follow the lamb wherever he goes. We talked about that last week. There's no guile, meaning these were men who had honesty, not deceitful. They are without fault. They are blameless in their testimony. Then we ended last week, number six, with salvation. Verse 6, and I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and every nation and kindred and tongue and people. So, Pastor, why is there an angel that is proclaiming the gospel? Well, because 
The two witnesses, remember those two witnesses were killed, and then in the middle of the street, they were raised back to life, and they ascended back into heaven. So they're gone. The 144,000 witnesses, they've been caught back up into heaven. They're with Jesus. They're gone. And so there is nobody left. There, there are no witnesses. There are no, no faithful messengers to preach the gospel on earth. So an angel comes on the scene, and an angel, one more time, gives the gospel message for people to be saved. Well, why doesn't God send angels today to preach the gospel? I'll tell you why. It's because it's our job. We have been given the responsibility. We have been given the, the privilege to preach the gospel to every creature. And may God help us to preach the gospel. May God help us to be faithful. I, I know this is a Wednesday night crowd, but I want to say this. Every week, we ought to be looking for somebody we can share the gospel with. Every week, we ought to look for somebody we can tell, tell about Jesus. Every week, we ought to look for somebody we can hand a gospel tract to. Or every week, we ought to be looking for somebody we can give a Bible to, like we're doing Tuesday night, last night, like we're doing tomorrow morning, like we're doing Saturday morning, because it is our job to get out the gospel. Now, I got to tell you, we are not the only church that preaches the gospel. I understand that. But if we don't do it, Who's going to? I believe we're going to stand before the Lord someday. And I believe we're going to give an account for how many people got the gospel in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. I think we will. I think we will give an account. You say, well, pastor, but we're already giving the gospel. We're running buses. We're, we're sending out flyers. We're, we're, we're talking to people. We're passing out tracts. And I say to that, praise God, let's keep doing it. And let's do a whole lot more of it. Because how many do you think we should miss? How many people would you be comfortable that we miss with the gospel? I'll tell you this, I wouldn't be comfortable with one. I think everybody needs to get the gospel. I think everybody needs to hear it. And that's our job. We've been commissioned to give the gospel. Number six is salvation. The gospel is everlasting. It is for everyone. But I want to remind you the gospel is ending. You say, Pastor, you just said the gospel is everlasting, and how can the gospel be everlasting and it is also ending? Here's how. If you get it, it lasts forever. If you don't get it, your time will come to an end. You see, the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. The gospel is only good news if people get the gospel while they still have an opportunity and while they still have life and breath. There will be a time at the great white throne judgment where it'll be too late. There'll be a time at the great white throne judgment where the, the books will be opened, another book which is the book of life, and the dead will be judged out of those things, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire, and it's too late then. But I'm glad it's not too late now, and may God help us to get out the gospel. Number seven, I see in this passage, I see there is a sentencing. Verse seven, the angel says with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. And worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. We see the, the first message from the angel is this. Fear God and give him glory because the hour of judgment is come. It says, and worship him that made heaven and earth. Did you know we have an obligation to worship God 
because he is the one that created us? You wouldn't be here if God hadn't created you. I wouldn't be here if God hadn't made me. And he didn't just make me. He didn't just make you. He made everything. He, he's in charge of it all. He is the creator and we are accountable to him. We see in verse number seven that this message is given and the message is given to everyone that dwells on the earth. Every nation, every tribe, every language, every people, everybody deserves to hear the gospel. Then we see in verse number eight, not only the first message, but we see the second message. There is another angel with a message, and this angel, it says they're fallen. Another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The term Babylon that is used here is not just speaking of an ancient city, but it is speaking of the world system that will be in power. The world system that will be in power during the time of the tribulation that will be beheaded up and run by the Antichrist is Babylon. Uh, Babylon began with the Tower of Babel, began with uh, people like Nimrod who was an enemy of God and it has always been against God. Remember Nebuchadnezzar? Remember his statue that he set up in Daniel chapter 3 and he commanded people to bow down? Remember Daniel chapter 5, uh, Belshazzar, and as he came into power of the medial Persian Empire, and he came into Babylon, and, and he had that party, and he took all of the vessels that had been taken from the temple and used those golden vessels to worship the false gods and to have a, a drunken party and to defile and desecrate the things of God. I want to tell you, Babylon has always represented a system that is against God. And in the tribulation, Babylon and that world system will be in place. And the angel says, it's all coming down. It is all coming to an end. We see the message from the angel is a message of judgment. First John 2, by the way, the Bible says that the world will pass away. This world system and this world ideology, one of these days, it's going to be history. But I'm glad the word of our God is going to stand forever. I'm glad that God is going to be King of kings and Lord of, all, Lord of lords forever and ever and ever. And this world system will just be a memory. And God will be on his throne. Number three, I see the third message. This is not, I guess this is under number seven, the sentencing. The third message, it says in verse nine, and the third angel followed them saying with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. There's another angel. This is a message for those who have received the mark of the beast. And by the way, in the tribulation period, that is going to be uh, the determining factor. Those that receive Christ will reject the mark of the beast. But those that receive the mark of the beast, they are rejecting Christ. They are making a decision. And I want to tell you, friend, that decision is still on the table today for every man, woman, boy, girl. That decision is on the table. You can decide to accept Christ or you can reject Christ, but the choice is yours. And you get to choose which one you're going to take, but you don't get to choose the consequences. Those have already been determined. 
You receive Christ and you have eternity in a place called heaven. You reject Christ and you are sealing your fate in a place called hell. And we see this angel, he makes it very clear. There's torment, there's judgment. And he says in verse 10, these will experience the wrath of God. He says, it is like unto drinking from a cup. But he said, these people will be drinking from the cup. They'll be drinking the wrath of God without mixture. Now that's interesting. Because what that means is that they will be, literally, they'll be receiving the judgment of God upon themselves and it will not be diluted. It will be the full strength. I believe that in 2023, I believe we are experiencing in some ways, I believe we are experiencing the judgment of God. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you cannot... Uh, you cannot murder babies by the thousands and not experience the wrath of God. It, it's not possible. You cannot promote and you cannot condone a, a homosexual lifestyle or the LGBTQ. You cannot do that and not experience the judgment of God. I think we're experiencing some of that already. Don't get me wrong. But friend, I want to tell you what we're experiencing is the wrath of God with mixture. It's been diluted and praise God. Because even in God's wrath, he's remembering mercy. Uh, remember when Abraham was praying and asking God if he would spare the city of Sodom if there were some righteous people? And God said he would. And it got down to 10. And I think Abraham thought for sure there were at least 10 righteous. Certainly Lot and his wife and, and their kids and sons-in-law and maybe a few others. I think, I think Abraham was convinced there were at least 10. But God said he would spare the city if there were but 10 righteous. Well, guess what? There was not. And the wrath of God was poured out on Sodom and it was not diluted. You know what's interesting? You know what God used to judge Sodom and Gomorrah? Fire and brimstone. Notice what it says in verse number 10. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with what? Fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. We see the wrath of God. We see the torment of the lake of fire. We see uh, that, that, that God is judging the world for their sin. Number seven, we see the sentencing. Number eight, we see the smoke. The smoke here in verse number 11 represents the torment of the lake of fire. Now, I'll be honest with you. I do not like smoke. <laughs> I do not like to be in smoke. Uh, if there is a fire that is burning, what do you do? You, you try to get away from the smoke, right? The smoke will be the least of people's worries. when they are experiencing the wrath of God because they will experience fire. Not just the smoke. Uh, and not just the heat, but they will experience the fire and the brimstone and the wrath of God because they have rejected the Lamb. And because they have worshipped the beast and received his mark. Number nine, I see in verse number 12, I see there's a lesson of steadfastness. Here in the middle of verse 12, this is, it's right there. It says, here is the patience. Now, word patience is the endurance or the steadfastness. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. Here's a reminder in the midst of the tribulation. You know what God is saying? 
He's saying this, child of God, Christian, a faithful servant, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Keep on keeping on. You know why? Because judgment is real. And because God has promised that those that reject him, they will be punished. But God has promised those that serve him and those that love him will be rewarded. And friend, that's something to hang on to. Maybe you're here tonight. Maybe you're discouraged. And you say, Pastor, I was discouraged. And I came here and all you're doing is preaching about the tribulation. Well, I got news for you. You can be faithful and I can be faithful through the tribulation of life, through the trials of life, because God has promised he will not forget your labor. He will not forget your work. He will reward us. That's why we must be faithful. And God always rewards faithfulness. Hallelujah for that. Man, I'm glad I said that. Don't ever forget that God is faithful. And if you're discouraged about being faithful, you just keep your eyes on him who is faithful. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with, rage, uh, with patience, run with steadfastness, run with endurance the race that is set before us. How do we do it? Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured. There's that word endurance, patience, steadfastness. He endured the cross and he despised the shame and he is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I don't know if you're enjoying this tonight, but I certainly am. And I'm so glad that I came to church tonight. And I'm so glad that God gave us the book of Revelation. Can you imagine if we didn't know what was gonna happen? Can you imagine if we were, we were just wondering? And Now, I think we should still trust God. I think we should still believe God and believe his word. But here he's told us, he's given us his word, and he's given us the motivation. I want to ask you tonight, what motivates you? What keeps you going? What keeps you coming back to church? What keeps you reading your Bible? What keeps you praying? I hope it's not a pastor. I hope it's not a church member. Now, I hope we help in that. I, hope, I certainly hope, hope we don't hurt. <laughs> You know, I hope you don't come and say, man, pastor, you, you sure discouraged me a whole lot, but it's just the grace of God that keeps me going. But if your motivation is a person, you're going to be disappointed. Boy, if you'll keep your eyes on Jesus, you will never be disappointed. The steadfastness, number nine. Number 10, the saints. There's another voice, verse number 13, and this voice from heaven is speaking. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. What a great reminder. You know, during the tribulation period, there are those who will be martyrs. There are those who will die. There are those who will be persecuted for their faith. But here's what God says. He says, they are blessed. They're going to have blessing. They're going to have reward. And it says this, they have rest from their labors. Do you ever just, do you ever just feel like you just need some rest? And I'm not talking about just physical sleep, but do you ever just feel like you just need a break? You ever just feel like that old devil's beating on you and beating on you, and then you go to work and you get beat on, and then you go home and don't, don't, don't say amen there. Don't say amen there. But you ever just feel like you just need some rest? Well, I got news for you. There's coming a day of rest. And God said, those that have been faithful, he said, there is going to be a reward and there is going to be a rest from their labor. But I love this. It says their works 
do follow them. I want to remind you that even after you're dead and gone, and even after I'm dead and gone, did you know our works will still follow us? There will be people that will remember. I remember brother so-and-so. I remember sister so-and-so. I remember their faithfulness. We have, some of you don't have it because it's so old, but we have an old church directory. And I say old, it's about five years old now. And part of me doesn't like flipping through the old directory because it can be sad. But part of me loves flipping through it because you know what I see? I see a whole lot of faithful saints of God that finished their course and kept the faith and they didn't quit. And you know what that does for me? That tells me that it's worth it to keep on being faithful. Their works do follow them. Number 11, I see there's a sickle. It says in verse number 14, it says, And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the uh, cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. Now that is not something you expect to see. A crown and a sickle. You know, you expect to see a straw hat and a sickle, you know, or a crown and a scepter. But there is a crown and there is a sickle. What is the sickle for? It's for judgment. It's for harvest. It is for reaping. And we see that this angel announces uh, this son of man coming with a crown and with a sickle. And we see in verse number uh, uh, 16, and he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar which had power over fire, and he cried with a loud voice to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. Verse 19, And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and he cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city. And blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horse bridles, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. We see in chapter 15, the time is come for harvest. Now, we often, we sing that song, uh, Today we reap or miss our golden harvest. Today is given us lost souls to win. And by the way, that's the harvest we're in right now, the harvest for souls. But in the battle of Armageddon, it's not a harvest for souls. It's a harvest of judgment. And it is reaping time. It is judgment time. It is destruction for the enemies of God. And verse number 18, again, we see the angel comes from the altar. And he had power over fire. And he says, thrust in thy sickle. I won't have you turn there, but Joel chapter 3 in Zechariah 14, the Bible talks about the, the, the judgment of God that will take place at the battle of Armageddon. Verse 19, we see the gathering of the grapes. And those grapes are pressed by the wrath of God. Now, I, I, I do not drink wine. And I hope you know that. I hope I didn't have that was not an informative statement or a, a, a shocking statement. I do not drink wine. And I don't believe Christians should drink wine. But I have seen, I was at a church, this was years ago, I was at a church and across the way from the church in this industrial park, they had a, a, a wine shop. And they had outside that wine shop, they had an actual wine press. 
And I was expecting to see something fancy. I was expecting this, you know, I mean, that, that's big money stuff. I mean, as far as I know, last time Brother Dan was telling me about it, I mean, it sounded like it was expensive. So make sure you're still awake. And I asked the pastor about it, and he said, oh, he said, you wouldn't believe it. He said, you know how they press those grapes? I said, no, how? <laughs> he said, they take off their shoes, they take off their socks, and they get in the wine press, and they stomp the grapes. I said, you are messing with me. There is no way in the world that's what they do. He said, I promise you that's exactly what they do. Well, here we see the grapes, and these are not grapes that you eat, but these grapes are representing those people that are facing the wrath of God. And the wrath of God will press down those grapes. And that wine press will be the wrath of God poured out upon this world. Verse number 20, we see the, the measurement is given. It's 200 miles around the city of Jerusalem is where the battle will take place. Now, now the focal point will be the battle of Armageddon. But you realize in the valley of Armageddon, that's where the armies of all the world will converge. And that is where the armies will gather to fight against each other. But that's when Jesus comes back at the end of the tribulation and they stop fighting each other and they focus their attention on fighting against Jesus. And that is not a long battle. As a matter of fact, all Jesus has to do is he has to open his mouth. The Bible says from the word of his mouth there came as it were a sharp two-edged sword and destroys the armies that are gathered together against him. Here's what I see in verse number 20. I see there will be great bloodshed. The Bible talks about the blood and the, the perhaps the, the actual, the blood, uh, maybe it's blood splatter, I don't know, but it says it will be to the horse's bridles. And that's always made me wonder, like aren't, they, aren't there going to be tanks? And I think there's going to be all of that. But there will be horses. There will be horses. I promise you that. There will be horses at the Battle of Armageddon. I, don't, I can't explain why and all that, but I'll just, just suffice it to say, there will be. But the weapons are not what's important. What matters is that those are souls. The tribulation period is going to last for seven years. Now think about this. We believe Jesus could come back at any moment, True. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that trumpet could sound. If Jesus came back today, that means seven years from now, that battle of Armageddon will take place. Did you know there are people that we know? There are, there are loved ones, there are neighbors, there are people that we come in contact with that if they do not come to know Jesus Christ, they could experience this very thing. But not only the battle of Armageddon, they could experience eternity in a lake of fire. I say number 12, and I'm done. I see there should be a sorrow for souls. Now, yes, I think we ought to rejoice that we've been saved. I think we ought to rejoice that we're on the winning side. Praise God. But I'll tell you this, there ought to be some tears that flow from our eyes because of people that do not know Jesus Christ. Now, friend, as, as, as sure as, as I know that heaven is a real place, and I believe it is, I know that hell is a real place, and I don't want anybody to go there. I want to do everything I can to rescue the perishing. I want to do everything I can to reach people with the gospel before it's too late. Let's get our burden back. Let's get those tears back. Let's get that compassion back for souls 
of people. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.